Welcome to the Poe Politicking Show, created in 2008. Poe Politicking is a hip-hop meets self-help brand. With each conversation, we teach the babies and share success secrets with you, the listener. Our focus is to preserve the hip-hop culture and introduce the future upcoming stars. Past guests of the Poe Politicking Show include Yo Gotti, Megan The Stallion, The Baby, Currency, MC Light, Jay Prince, Dead Prez, Razzcast, and more. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts to get automatic updates of each episode. Keep politicking with Poe on social media at Poe Politicking. Visit our website, PoePolitikin.com, for more exclusive content. Yeah, I've been doing this since 2008. I interviewed probably over a thousand people so far. I like it though. Just meet a lot of different people and you know, show yeah, sure. hip hop. All right. Welcome back to PoePolitikin.com, your home for self-help meets hip hop. Right now we're live on YouTube, but check me out on Twitch, Apple Music, and Spotify. One, two, one, two, I'm a place to be with DJ Criminal. How you doing, bro? Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks, man. How about yourself? I'm doing great. So, so I was uh, I, I I read your story. So I, the first question I want to ask you: Were you uh always DJ Criminal, or did you like after you did all the smuggling and stuff, then you changed the name DJ Criminal? <laughs> That's the main uh, thing to know at first. Yeah. So there was like a very, very, very short, brief amount of time, maybe in like. I want to say, like when I first started out back in like the late 90s, um, I had a different name. And then when I kind of transitioned into just doing like straight up hip hop, funk and soul, I used a different name for like maybe like six months. And then uh, when I had my first actual physical release on a label, um, Right when it got time to like pressing up the actual CD, this probably would have been about 2003, 2004. Uh, the, the cover of this album uh, had a photograph that this uh, West Coast photographer did. It just had a guy in a hoodie and then he put like some uh, effects over it. And then the hoodie just said criminal. And I was like, oh, that, that would make a really fly mixtape cover. Let's use that. And then uh, I was like, I don't like this last name. And we just used criminal based off this photo, this uh, uh, photo. Mm. Uh, but like, I don't like run around and like rob people or anything. <laughs> like, <that>. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm, I'm a very chilled out, <laughs> lackadaisical dude, you know? Um, oh. So the, the the name, I've always kind of been like, hey, you know, like, maybe I probably shouldn't have picked that because, like, you know, I'm not going around doing nefarious shit all the time. But... Oh, you're like, what, what you do? What's your, what's your crime of choice? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, my crime of choice is, like, sleeping But you could, you could, like, flip it. You could be like, I'm jacking for beats out here, so that's why I'm DJ criminal or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, yeah, you know, uh, I don't really, like, clear samples. So, <laughs> all right. So you 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 talking about when you first started? So just take us back uh, to the beginning. Let us know your hometown and and your background in music. Yeah. So I I grew up in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in the South Hills, 
I grew up playing a lot of instruments and stuff. I was never into sports, so I grew up playing guitar, drums, and the didgeridoo, and just was always attracted to music. I always loved music. Um, you know, I'd rather go home and, like, put the distortion on the amp and play some guitar than go out and play football or whatever. Um, so I grew up in Pittsburgh and at a really early age, uh, probably in my like mid teens, like my, uh, some friends of mine who were a little bit older, we all started throwing raves in Pittsburgh and we, so like at 15, we were flying in DJs from Europe and putting these all night events on. And that's kind of how I first started being exposed to the DJ world. And then, uh. It just grew from there. I just, you know, love throwing parties and playing music, making people dance. And yeah, just the idea of getting together like, you know, 500 people in a warehouse and blasting music on a great sound system and, you know, just everyone grooving out and having a good time. I really enjoyed that. And then uh, at the later years of high, my high school days that's when I really got into hip-hop and then uh I moved to Florida and went to school there for sound engineering and that's when I I started to kind of really focus on scratching and hip-hop and then I moved to Minnesota for about four years and that's when it like really took off for me was like just compiling, you know, getting that record collection in. And those were probably my like largest days of digging, um, you know, just finding the record stores, getting the stuff no one else had. I mean, I guess I kind of did that in Pittsburgh too. Like if there was a new single coming out, we'd go to the record stores and, you know, all our friends would want the same single. So we'd have to tell the record store owners, <laughs> we'd be like, make a note on this order like must id before purchase you know just so our friends couldn't go in and jack the record we wanted and stuff and that's mm. kind of what led me up until about 2004 and i just got kind of sick of the cold and where i was living in minnesota i knew some friends that had lived in thailand and they said it was great and there's no winter over here. I mean, it's hot as hell, which isn't always great, but there's no snow. I hate snow. So yeah, you did all that. You could have just came to California. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. <laughs> I hear the state taxes there are pretty fierce. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's good. It's pretty good over here. Yeah. But so no, yeah, that, that kind of brings I was gonna ask you too. I was gonna ask you so uh you saying when you got into hip hop, so what actually like what got you into it though? So the 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 first hip hop I remember hearing was in the early '90s, and it was a uh, Beastie Boys Paul's Boutique, mm. and uh, I remember I really liked the samples on there, you know, and uh, I remember the song Eggman. Really like that one. And there was a line on there. We all dressed in black. We step up around the back. And it was just something I could really groove to. And then, um, like, I grew up in the 
South Hills of Pittsburgh. So it was kind of like suburby. Yeah. You know, it was like the suburbs, I would say. There wasn't like sidewalks and shit, but I mean, I would kind of classify it as the suburbs, I guess. Like my backyard was Pittsburgh, you know, but uh, so like I never really identified too well with the gangster rap shit. Like I didn't get into that until I was a bit older. And then uh, the first hip hop show I ever went to was a Jurassic Five show probably in the late nineties or early two thousands in Pittsburgh. And uh, yeah, just after watching that show, um, those guys just put on a hell of a performance. And that's when I was just like, you know, full force, like going deep diving into all of hip hop and rap from the early eighties upwards. And that's kind of what really got me in there. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so you say you started in Pittsburgh, but like you said, you kind of been around the world. So can you, I know you say you're in Thailand right now, but uh, just talk about all the places you kind of traveled. Oh, I've, I've been to like, <laughs> like 42 countries now, maybe close oh. to 50. Is, it, is, it but, like uh, that was, is that a goal of yours or it just happened? No, it just kind of happened. I love traveling oh. and I like writing about traveling. Like I do like, I, I would never call myself a journalist, but I do a lot of travel writing for like magazines and wrote a book that got published a couple of years ago about traveling in the Middle East. And uh, so I left Minnesota, went to Thailand, Cambodia, uh, lived in Tokyo for two years and uh, lived in Saudi Arabia for a couple of years, lived in Afghanistan for four years been in thailand since 2007 and then i've been to like oh yeah just everywhere like did shows in vietnam egypt cairo myanmar laos palestine israel I got, I got jordan so how do you uh i don't know if you heard about uh Brittany, are you like you aware of like all the stuff going on in America? Or are you kind of like not really? No, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> like not at all. It's like uh, you know the WNBA, right? The WNBA yeah, is yeah, the woman. Yeah, yeah. So they have this girl. She's like the star. Um, her name's Brittany Griner, and um, she brought weed to Russia. So you know they got the war going on, everything right now. So. They scooped her up and they basically have her like a political prisoner. They have her like just stand there and they gave her six years and she's there. And they're like, oh, if it was LeBron James, she wouldn't have that much time, you know. But I would say, so how do you avoid, like, I guess, uh, how do you know all the crime? Like, you know, what to do, what not to do in these different countries? Um, I mean, I, I don't smoke weed, so that, that kind of gives me an easy pass, like. I'm never bringing any drugs with me. Like, I'm not a drug user. But even, so, like, the laws they might have, you know, kind of, I know some countries, they got, like, you know, different different laws. Yeah, so, like, you just kind of, like, hear through the, through the travelers community, other travelers and other expats. So, like, even some over-the-counter stuff that you can get in America and some of the Middle Eastern countries, that shit's, like, illegal and can put you in jail. So, like, you can just do research online and just kind of, you know, just do your do your homework 
before you're going places, but like people that bring weed on international flights, I just shake my head. I'm like, do you, do you really need to get high? Like, and if you do, like you, you can find it anywhere you go. Yeah, that's what I said. that was my whole thing. I was like, man, it ain't that bad when you got to take the weed on you on an international flight. You can wait till you touch down and get it like that. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just that's he yeah, heard. Was, you know, she's an all-star basketball player, so she can find somebody out there. It's somebody on that damn basketball team she on in Russia that can get her. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like I mean, you know, maybe maybe the poor the poor woman has like some anxiety problems or whatever and she needs it for you know like health reasons medicinal reasons she's not just like doing bong rips before she goes to practice so i i can understand if she needs to bring some of that as a, a medicinal purpose but uh yeah i mean you're just going into a foreign country like when you cross the border from myanmar into thailand there's a big sign that says death sentence for all traffickers Ooh. and up 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 until recently marijuana and everything up above was you know if you got caught with it you were in uh really really you were in a bad situation like you'd be looking at like 20 to 80 years to life depending on what you had and how much you had and just like about a month ago thailand made weed recreational uh, it's been medicinal over here for a while. So now when you roll around town in Bangkok or in Chiang Mai, where I live, you just smell weed like everywhere and everyone's smoking. And it just, all the guys like me that have been over here for such a long time, it just blows our mind that this shit's actually legal now and happening. Yeah, it's legal in a lot of states in America too now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was back in the States in the fall and, uh, I've like touched down just to do some visa work or go back and visit families on the East coast and the West coast. And when my friends are driving me around and I just see all these dispensaries, it, it just like blows my mind. Cause all that shit happened uh, and came about when I was overseas and uh, none of the countries except Thailand now that I frequent have like you know medicinal stuff or recreational stuff so it's just like you know pretty mind-blowing <laughs> to see it all give me uh what kind of get me upset about it though because it's like shit they got like stocks you can buy weed stocks and all that shit now but you got all these people that's still in jail over that shit so like what about these people in jail over weed y'all y'all i mean they got stocks you can just what company so you know stocks for weed go buy them fucking stocks but all these people in jail still so it's like that shit crazy. Yeah, I, I, I've wondered about that myself. You know, like, all right, what happened to poor, like, Kevin or Jawar or Jamal or Ajmal that got busted with, you know, a couple ounces or a couple pounds, like, years ago, and they, you know, got racked up with, like, a 10-year no. fucking stretch. <laughs> like, are we, are we going to... Can we somehow, how long is that process going to take? Or is it even going to take off? Like, now that you could legally fly from, like, this state to that state with that same amount of, you know, marijuana on you, are we going to start reversing some of these penalties and injustices that were put upon these people? Um, 
You know, I, I don't even know if anyone's doing any anything like that. But I hope that it's happening. Like, you know, reverse sentences and get some of those people out that don't need to be in there. Yeah. You know, start, all all yeah. these nonviolent offenders that are just, you know, it's like, making it's like, someone rich. Then it looks, I look at it like, man, like, what about, then you got the pharmaceutical company. They can sell this, the drugs that have all the side effects that the weed got. But they want you to take the drugs. <laughs> the weed's illegal, so it's like, man, they playing. So I'll, I'll yeah, the, you, oh, what's up? pharmaceutical companies are the biggest drug dealers on earth. Mm-hmm. But then we, so we was, we was kind of talking about uh, you was talking about trafficking and everything. So I kind of wanted to go into your to your album, the Smugglers Candle LP. So, yeah. so I, I read the story. I saw the. That's crazy. I was like, "You got a crime journalist on your album," but so and he says it's not just music to smuggle to; it's music that been smuggled. But I don't know what he mean. I'm trying to figure out what he mean like smuggle to. Like you got, I got to hold it like this. <laughs> so like, um, I I live like really close to the Golden Triangle, which is like historically one of the biggest smuggling routes in the history of smuggling. Mm. And uh, just living in Afghanistan and shady places and seeing crazy shit go on. I just thought it was a cool concept to make an album about smuggling. And uh, this crime journalist, uh, Sean Williams, he's amazing. He's got a podcast called The Underworld Podcast. Mm. Everyone should check it out. Um, I was listening to that podcast for about a year. And I was like, you know what would be really cool? Because these these dudes are nuts, man. They'll like dress up as missionaries and sneak into crazy like meth production labs in the northern jungles of Myanmar, trying to get like interviews and documentaries <laughs> about that shit. And they're gnarly, man. And uh, oh. I was like, you know, it would be cool to have him to do a prologue and. Uh, the, the first goal was the audience or listener to understand that there's a big difference between smuggling and trafficking. Uh, trafficking is always going to have a negative connotation, but smuggling, you could be smuggling weed or you could be smuggling refugees or medicine. Like Han Solo was a smuggler. Uh, you know, Schindler's from Schindler's List, he was a smuggler. He smuggled Jews out of you know, the concentration camps, get them out of there. Um, Very tell me. And uh, the, the second goal was to reference the smuggling I did. And I, I would call this like light smuggling. But uh, when I was in Afghanistan, I was bringing a lot of my music back home to Thailand. And the customs agents and the airlines would always like look at how much, how many records I'd have. And then they would try to like, forced me to check the records and make me pay all this money. And when I would land in Thailand, I'd get to the custom agents and they would try to like, you know, find me uh, import tax on every record I was bringing in. And I was bringing in over like a hundred records at a time. So I went to this tailor in uh, Kabul and I got this big ass vest made that went all the way down to the middle of my shins. And uh, I had the tailor on the inside of the vest make pockets that would fit seven-inch records. 
So I could put like 25 in a pocket up by my chest, 25 in another pocket down by my knee. And that was on each side. So I could carry on the airplane like 107 inch records. How much did they weigh? Oh, I I don't know because I they never weighed it. That was the whole point. It was so heavy like, for you. Yeah, it was heavy. <laughs> like oh. once I once I made it on the plane, I'd take it, I'd fold it up and take it off and put it up up top. But then whenever I would land wherever I was going, I'd take it out, put it back on, and wear it. And I just kind of looked like you know a fat man <laughs> when I would be walking through customs. But uh, I'd always get the records through, no problem. So I, I, you know, technically, like the word smuggle comes from this old Germanic word where, where it just basically means to bypass uh, shitty taxes the countries are imposing on you. And it originally was like, you know, trading rice and shit in Europe, like rice and beans and herbs and stuff. And they would go from port to port and uh, they'd try to avoid the other country's taxes they were importing the shit to and uh that's where smuggling came from so i just got sick of paying the airline fees and these corrupt custom agents because they'd see like one record and they would be like oh we're gonna say that this is 25 dollars, and you have 100 of them so that's this much and we're gonna make you pay like 30 percent you know just corrupt custom officials all over and I just got sick of paying that shit, so I got that vest made, and that's how I would just why would they get my record. Why would they charge that much money for you just bringing in music? Just to, you know, get some team money out of it, you know? Um, and it, they, they would do, they do that to all the people. They do that, you know, not just for records, but if they see, like, oh, man, like, when I first brought turntables into Southeast Asia, they wanted, like, $2,000 for me Ew. to just bring it into the country. They're, 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 uh, I guess they know you're going to make some money, I guess, so they want their money. You're looking at yeah, money. exactly. They're like, oh, you're going to go in and sell these? And it's like, no, I'm not, but that's their excuse to try to, you know, get their money out of you. So you, you got to, you know, throughout the years, like, all the DJs I know over here, we, and just people that buy cameras or like drones and shit, everyone has to figure out a, tr- a, a way to try to bypass. Me, this. but I guess, I guess like, so I'm looking at it like, well, how you talking? But then at the same time, man, like just even here, like they usually got taxes for even like, like here, if you want to get a drone and you want to have a business, you got to go to school, get licensed, you know, they tax you for everything. So it's kind of like, you know, they do the same thing here. Everything you, you want to do, you got to get a license or you get taxed on it, everything. It ain't nothing really you could just go do for free. <laughs> yeah, America is a very expensive place. Yeah, I was like, damn. I went in for insurance one day and this girl was sitting there with a drone. But I'm studying for the drone, taking a test. Yeah. <clears throat> I was like, damn, what the fuck? I was like, you got to go to school for that? You got to go to school to use a drone and get a license for it? Yeah, yeah. I I can't rock with the States too much. It's just so expensive there. I was back there last fall in 2021 and January 2022. Man, I got a couple of questions. So I hope I want to ask you about. But first, I want to talk to you about um, what you were saying, because you were like, I ain't no journalist. 
And then I was like, yes, you are. But then, like, I was thinking, I ain't no German Jesus because, like, how you said that guy, um, they dressed up like like missionaries and go to the meth labs and the jungle and all that shit. I'm like, I ain't doing all that, and I'm not doing the war journalism. <laughs> so them like, to me, them like the ones that actually go into the where is that? Them like the real ass journalists because they put their life on the line. Like the ones yeah. that go, they go to the fucking crime mob right in the crime house house interviewing them. Yeah, it's Somebody it's just right here. It's just kind of like a, it's like a hobby for me. When I was living in Saudi Arabia, uh, like my mom called me or emailed me and she was like, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette or the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, they're looking for expats that are living abroad that can like create articles about what foreigners in certain countries think about Americans. And I was just like, all right, like, you know, it looks like something to do. So I wrote up like one article and sent it in and they were like, can you get us pictures? And I was like, yeah. And then they paid me for it. And I was like, oh, shit. OK, you know, <laughs> you, write all right. you guys want some more? And they're like, yeah. And I'd been to so many countries. So I just started like busting out uh, interviews and stories about all these places I had been to and. I had pictures, so they published them all and paid me. And I was like, all right, this is cool. You know, I got some beer money for the weekend and stuff. And then uh, I was living in northern Afghanistan for a little bit up near the Himalayas, this place called Mazar Sharif. And I always wanted to get a book published. You know, I'm not like obsessed with like being a writer or anything. That's why I say I, I, I wouldn't call myself a journalist. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, this publishing company out of Singapore and the UK were like, yeah, we want to publish the book. And they did. And they published the book and they're asking for a couple more. And yeah, I'll write one. Once I get this album out of the way next year, maybe I'll start writing another one. But yeah, like I, I, I think it would be an insult to real ass journalists to call myself a journalist. Like, you know, I just kind of do it as like, a side hobby whenever I have time and I want to write stuff, I'll go and do that. Then I want to ask you, um, so you was talking about it's expensive in America. I was ask you, so how much does it cost? Like give us a monthly, um, monthly, how much it costs to live where you're at right now? Oh, I mean, it, it, it kind of depends on your lifestyle. Like, do you want to live in a condominium that's got a pool and a sauna or do you want to kind of live, you know, in the, in the lower economic areas of the country, but uh, you want to be like you want to be like the middle class. Yeah. So, like example, like uh, I'm sure in Cali, do you guys have that uh, place called Jamba Juice? Yeah. So, like, how how much would you say if you go in there and get like two smoothies? How much would that be? Shit, it'll probably be like twenty dollars. Tell you the truth. Holy shit. So like out here, <laughs> 15 that, at least for sure. So like I, I go to this one organic juice spot every day. That's my lunch. So like yesterday I went like full on. I got two shots of wheatgrass. I got two shots of ginger. I got two shots of uh, Brussels sprouts. And I got two shots of turmeric and ginger. And then I got a, I think it was a 75 gram protein banana choco shake. And then I got no. a detox juice. And all of that was eight bucks. 
For both of them? For all of it. So you it was got, like... Got two of them? It, yeah, so it was like yeah. one big-ass thing of juice that had a bunch of stuff in it, one protein shake, and then like six or eight. What was it? Two, four? Yeah, eight, like, you know... Uh, ginger shots that you would yeah, take. Yeah, that should probably be like out here. That should probably be about thirty, forty dollars. All them shots. Yeah. So I mean, like I, normal, like you get a normal one. It should be about eight dollars for the normal one out here. But if you get all the extra shit, it's gonna be about twenty dollars a cup. Yeah. So it's super cheap. Like, like there's people out here, expats, you know, Westerners, and they'll live off a of six hundred dollars a month. But they're, they're living in like a small little box with a fan. They're only eating street food. But like roughly, like for Westerners, their salary runs if they're working over here from like maybe anywhere from like 800 to 1600 a month. And they're living pretty fly, you know. They're living in a nice place, security guard, pool. What's the expat? What you say? You said expat. What's oh, expats, expatriates. Uh, it's just it just means like a foreigner living in another country. Expatriates. That's what they call it. Yeah. Hmm. That's all I'm saying too, man. I know a lot of vets, like especially if they get like you know their disability pay from the military. Shit, they go out there, man. They're gonna be chilling. Oh, yeah, Probably yeah. Probably a lot of vets sure. out there, right? Probably be some people out there that's veterans retired and shit. Yeah, there's vets in, like, the city I live in, Chiang Mai, every year, it's always in the top 10 of uh, cities to retire in. So there's mad retirees out here just because it's so cheap. Like, if you go, like, a little far out of the city, you can get a three- bedroom two bathroom house with a kitchen and a you know gated community for under three hundred dollars a month damn yeah you be so, seeing yeah, a, it's, a, lot, it's, it's, a lot of black people up there yeah there are a little bit uh not too too much uh in bangkok yeah down south yeah in my city um, a little bit, but not too, too much. That's tight, though. That's cool, man. So, yeah. uh, so how long did it take you to make the, the, the album? I started, I never really rushed when I'm doing albums. I, I would say the only one I really was like, all right, let's get these beats finished real quick was the last EP I did with a logic out of Ohio. This album. The first song I made on it was probably back in 2017. And then uh, I really started smashing out the songs once I was in Afghanistan, my last two years there. And then uh, the last year I was here in Chiang Mai just to get it, you know, get enough songs in order that I thought would be enough for the, for the album. Um, so I mean, I guess you could say five years, but the majority of the of the effort put in was in the last two. So I was gonna go into one of the. I saw a video. On, I was on your YouTube page. Well, hold on, we are gonna go to your YouTube page right now. Oh, 
I know what I want to ask you about too, man. I like all your shorts on here. Oh yeah, yeah. Are your YouTube shorts, those tight. Nice, thank you. Let me go to some of them. I'm gonna play some of them real quick. I'm over here right now. You can see my screen. Uh huh. Uh huh. All right. Let me go to some of these shorts first. So that people see these shorts. I want. I think people should. That shit cool. I was like, damn, my ass see you. This shit, this shit hard. Yeah, they got the, uh, this shit tight right there. That's not a green screen, right? No, no, no. That's definitely not a <laughs> green screen. You might think screen. it's a green screen. You got to let them know, like, this shit real. This ain't no green screen, y'all. Yeah. That one That one was crazy because uh, uh, have, have you seen the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Yeah. Yeah, so that that's where they did the last uh, uh, scene from the movie. It's this place called Petra in Jordan in the Middle East. And uh, I was like, all right, I got to I, I, I was sponsored under Raiden. They do these uh, portable scratch faders. Mm -hmm. and I just started going to crazy places and making videos and me scratching with their stuff. And then they started sending me gear and they were like, yeah, the crazier the spots, like the better this relationship will work out. And I was uh -huh. like, word. And uh, my friends and I were going to Jordan on vacay and uh, that one area of Petra. It's called the Treasury, and you can go down on the bottom floor, and they light it up, and it looks dank, and um, there was, like, a lot of people around on the ground floor, so I didn't want to, like, bother them on their trip, and I had seen photos of people looking down on this area, right, and so uh, I went up to one of the tour guides, and I was like, you know, can you take me up to this, like, bird's eye view spot? He's like, yeah, but we got to go on horseback and it's kind of a gnarly ride. I was like, well, all right, let's do it. You know, like how much? And he's like 50 bucks. I was like, all right, yeah, 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 let's do it. So we got on horseback. I had my gear in my backpack. We went up on these crazy mountains through all these Bedouin towns and shit. And, you know, halfway there, I'm, I like I got off the horse because there was like, you know, very high hill slides going down. I was not trying to die on a horse to make a <laughs> But, uh, you know, it took about an hour and 20 minutes and we finally got to the location. And uh, so, like, the, the sample that's used in that particular beat is from the Indiana Jones movie. And I was like, oh, this will be great. You know, I have the, like, actual last location on set uh, that the camera's looking in the backdrop. And... Uh, I just searched on YouTube for like Indiana Jones remix songs and then found that one. I was like, all right, fine. Like, yeah. And then just like did the scratch routine that, that one actually got 
when Raiden posted that video, it got like 46,000 views in the first week. So I was pretty happy with that. Yeah. Right. All right. So um, what video did you want to play like far as the, with the music? Uh, so the, the latest two videos I got, uh, the first one was It's Easy with Barfly. That was filmed in, in Nepal, Kathmandu. And then the second one was Mountaintops, which uh, Blueprint directed. And I got uh, Blueprint, Slug, and Jennifer Charles on that one. So which one you want us to play? Uh, up, up to you, man. I'll let you decide. All right. Amy, my mouth. I'm gonna play the uh, shortest one. <laughs> this one's shorter. I'll play this <laughs> the newest one. Yeah, it's newer. Yeah, yeah, that's the latest one that's dropped. my gratitude i live inside your thoughts provided me bed bath and food and filled my cup with juice leveled up my latitude gave me an excuse to tag my name all up your avenue she said success i never taste as good as when they first seen you represent your neighborhood before the freaking out and thinking about the way it could have been trying to find any surface to leave fingerprints or some footprints I didn't come to squish my toes in the sand Where I come from, those get frozen Nose is broken Someday all of this will turn into ocean From the top of the mountain With my reflection in the water's motion Change lanes with your perspective Everybody got free will like me Get all reflective For all you know I'm standing still Trying not 
Yeah, I said that video was got um well, let me play that part so they can see it. See the album part. Oh, yeah. Today, so it's dropping in two days. Yeah, it's going to drop on the 26th. If I digitally. could close to it all, I know. Yeah. People can get it off my Bandcamp for free. It'll be on, uh, you know, all the streaming platforms. And uh, there's a small label out of Seattle called Tape Joke. Uh, and they're going to be doing a drop of some physical products uh, next month, early October. Uh, the physical products are going to be cassettes, hoodies, and then a couple other surprises I can't talk about. A short, limited run, but uh, yeah, so there'll be physical product out there come early October. Uh, there's a website called Smuggler's Candle that's got a countdown right now. So if you know the peeps are interested in getting some some physical product, they can get it from there. But the album's free. I wanted to make sure that, you know, the people can get the music for free. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why you want to put it out for free? Um, I get <laughs> really just to get more people to listen to it. You know, like, uh, I'm not tripping on. I've never really been like, all right, I, I need to make money from music. Like, uh. You know, maybe in the next couple of releases, I might put a price tag on there. But, uh, you know, just trying to, like, build more of a fan base. And I think, you know, if the music's free, you're going to attract more people to listen to it. They're more likely to download it. And, yeah, like, I don't know. I've just never been, like, I want to actually sell this. Like, the, the physical products, the bundles that are coming out, they're pre-orders that, you know, yeah, that, that's going to cost some money. But uh, as far as digitally putting it out, you know, I just wanted it out there free so I can get as many listeners as possible. Yeah, I said that video was sad at first. At first, it looked like he was about to uh, stop stop rapping, but then I see he started back at the end, so it, it, it's cool. But it was sad at the beginning. I was like, damn. Yeah, it's 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 a sad sample, and like the the concept for that song had a really dark dark concept at the end. Uh, Cause I'd spend time in Nepal and, you know, I really love mountains and stuff. And, uh, when I approach blueprint and slug about the concept for the song, uh, there, there's this unfortunate scenario that happened on Everest where this young dude who wasn't an experienced climber and got like the cheapest Sherpas to take him up the mountain. 
when he got like to, I think, I don't even know if he made it to base camp three, but uh, the dude passed out and was dying, mm. right? And uh, there's people going up and down the mountain passing him. You go to the bathroom. But, uh, but no one could stop because if they stopped to help him take him down or up, they'd be risking their lives. They don't got enough oxygen to carry know a 180 pound dude with them nor did the sherpas like you're taking the max amount of weight that you can already you're already in death zone elevation uh so the the original idea i approached them with i was like you know there was a big controversy in the in the in the mountaineering community i guess you could call it about should people have stopped and tried to help this dude or not Mm -hmm. and i kind of wanted them to be like take one view of each side like yes they should have no they shouldn't have and somehow make a rap song out of that <laughs> and, and so uh that kind of morphed into what the song became which was just kind of like overcoming obstacles yeah so what what happened to that song um i mean it just kind of turned into mountaintops like um <laughs> the, the, the main idea just kind of, you know, transformed along the way to, you know, we, we can take that kind of idea and just do a, a slight different version of it. You know, I, I come up with weird ideas for songs that, you know, the, some of the weird shit I see over here. And uh, yeah, sometimes the idea just flies and sometimes it morphs into something different. Uh, which can turn out to be quite better a lot of the times. But uh, like, for instance, there was this one song idea I had and it was about uh, sweatshops. And um, I I was doing this gig in Bangkok where uh, uh, I was working for this, like, uh, what was it called? Forget the company's name. It was like a day job I had for a while. And uh, we would basically do like mock interviews with uh, Thai people that were trying to get jobs overseas. And uh, we would have like debate classes with them. And one of the debates was on the topic of uh, sweatshops. And um, one of the girls, you know, they don't call them sweatshops over here. They call them garment factories. And one of the ladies that was in this group discussion panel her family owned sweatshops up in Northern Thailand. And uh, the whole debate was about like, you know, are, are these ethical means of business? And, uh, you know, most of the people in this uh, uh, conversation were like, yeah, this isn't good for people. You know, it's bad. It's bad working conditions. It's the being underpaid, the being abused. And then this one girl whose family owned sweatshops, garment factories, whatever you want to call them. She's like, you know, if my family didn't build these garment factories and these poor locations, these people would not have any jobs at all. They'd resort towards, you know, sex trafficking, drugs, other nefarious bad things. So her mentality about it all was my family's helping the community. Whereas like most of the West Western mentality would be like, these are sweatshops. These are terrible. 
So I, I thought it would be a cool song idea to have like three rappers uh, do a verse from like each viewpoint, like one viewpoint from like a Westerner that's like, you know, this shit's bullshit, it's bad. And then the other verse would be another viewpoint from the garment factory owner who thinks that, you know, they're an angel, they're helping the community. And then the third verse would be another rapper okay. from uh, the actual worker's viewpoint. So, yeah, sometimes they come up with these weird song concepts that sometimes work out, sometimes don't. Yeah, because I guess when you look at it like, uh, shit, are they getting underpaid? Because if the country, like you said, the um, cost of living is lower, that means the pay, the pay is going to be lower. Yeah, like the, the average salary... Last time I looked it up in in, in Thailand, at least, was anywhere from eight thousand to seventeen thousand baht, which is like two hundred and twenty to like uh, seven hundred dollars. That's mm -hmm. the average salary. And like next door to us in Cambodia. The cops there, I think they get paid like 80 bucks a month and a bag of rice. Damn. That's crazy. Yeah. Shit. Man, we're going to have to do a part two, though, man. I'm about to get with you again and follow up. Yeah, dude. Anytime. Can do. All right, man. So uh, what would you like to say to your fans and supporters? Uh, yeah, uh, it'd be great if y'all could, uh, you know, <laughs> check out the album that drops on the 26th. Uh, you can go to my band camp and find that or my website, djcriminal.com and then, uh, smugglerscandle.com if they're interested in getting some physical merch, uh, which would be cool. And, uh, yeah, I hope they like that. I hope they dig the album. There's some pretty interesting songs on there. There's a bunch of little Easter eggs dropped throughout the album, so I'd be I'd be curious to see how many of the how many of the listeners and fans out there can figure out any of those. Yeah, yeah, because I wanted to ask you too. I just want to ask you about some of your adventures traveling, but we'll save that for the next interview. We gotta get a part two. Cool, it's right on, man. All right, so what's your social media and everything? Social media, uh, Instagram is just at DJ Criminal. Twitter is at DJ Criminal 612. Uh, Facebook is at DJ Criminal Online. And that's really the only socials I rock with. Uh, my book, you can get my book at Monsoon Publishing. Uh, or if you're in Asia, all the airports got my book in their uh, in their bookstores, and you can get it on Amazon as well. It's called Saudi Arabia Undercover. And then yeah, websites djcriminal.com, and yeah, that that's about the only plugs I got. Right, and then yeah, for the physical bundles, it's smugglerscandle.com. All right, bro. We'll say thanks for coming through politics with me. Hey, thanks, bro. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, man.